defenses. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Yo, welcome to another episode of Bird Protocol. Uh, it's your favorite bird boys, Palm Reader. I'm here with uh, Otis Morris, and this week we are taking a dive into one of my favorite movies, Martin McDonough's debut film, the uh, dark comedy slash crime thriller In Bruges. If you haven't seen this movie, it is excellent. Absolutely excellent. So join us today as we uh, explore the picturesque fantasy-like backdrop of Bruges, Belgium, which serves as the setting for this critically acclaimed movie, and we unpack the intriguing and hilarious storyline of two hitmen, Ray, played by Colin Farrell, and Ken, Brendan Gleeson, uh, who are navigating the medieval streets of Bruges while grappling with their own mortality and themes of redemption. From the film's seemingly endless supply of witty dialogue to its unexpected twists and uh, semi-meandering plot that comes together really well in the end, we'll dissect the elements that make In Bruges uh, a very unique cinematic experience and uh, almost unbelievably excellent debut feature film. Uh, probably one of the best I've seen. Um, but let's embark on a journey through the cobblestone lanes, fairy tale views, sudden violence, and the alcoves of this uh, darkly comedic masterpiece. Before we begin, though, as always, Otis, how you doing today? Ooh, I'm good. Good, good, good. I like, man, this, yeah, this movie's excellent. Uh, Fuck yeah. Forget. It's been a while since I've seen this one. So uh, stoked. Uh, yeah. Hilarious. This is one of my. Uh, this is my type of movie. Uh, it's a heater. It's, just, it's a heater. Yeah. It's got all that you can ask for. It's got violence, uh, hilarity, and uh, a sexy, very sexy Colin Farrell, if I may say. It's, uh, it's, 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 I think it was kind of like a sleeper. Um, I mean, critically it's a darling. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like a lot of people, unless you're like film people, you don't really, you see in Bruges and you're like, what is this? You don't really bother with it, especially because, you know, at the time in 2008, Colin Farrell and, and Brendan Gleeson, um, were, you know, they were on the come up. Um, and Colin Farrell had its has has is notorious for a string of uh stinkers uh in the 2000s, and just, yeah, and just being a bad boy, yeah, he's out there being real bad. Um, but it does have this film also does have uh Rafe Fines, who is uh just a, bowling a fine actor. He's well, he's an amazing actor, but in this film, he's just he's on fire every scene with oh, yeah. him is like <laughs> insane Great. i love it um but yes this did get uh colin farrell a golden globe for best actor uh gleason was nominated in the same category uh, mcdonough won the bafta award for best original screenplay and was nominated for an academy award for best original screenplay um it was released in 2008 at sundance uh, and yeah, this movie is funny, incredibly well-written, dark, um, funny. I'll say funny twice because watching it again yesterday, I was laughing out loud at multiple parts. 
Um, but it is also because McDonough was a playwright before it also does the thing that I love that plays do that not as many movies do anymore is that while being funny and quick and moving at an incredibly nice pace, it also has some kind of artistic flair and depth of theme and elements, uh, and recurring ideas. And it's, uh, a very thought out film that's masquerading as this kind of like dark comedy hitman film, um, which I just absolutely fucking love. Um, yeah, it's yeah, a, it's, it's a, banger. Such a, yeah, like you said, like, it's very simple. Like it makes sense that, uh, Martin McDonough was a uh, playwright because it has that style. Like you could see, like it takes place in very little settings or like, if you were like if you were to think of this like as, as a play you would really just need kind of like the the inn that they're staying at and then like you know the tower and then just like you know maybe like then like a bar on one side and that's really the it goes between sort of three settings like that and you know and that's it, it's just very dialogue driven it's just there's not oh, not like so there's lots of very funny actually physical comedy elements of it as well like specifically like the part where he uh calls the fat americans an elephant and then you know just the way he runs around is hilarious um what's the other part oh the <laughs> like the part when he shoots the guy like the, yeah there's like so much so much physical comedy in this but yeah it's very much uh dialogue driven and you know just a testament to martin mcdonough just being a very clever writer which like you know he's proven time and time again that he i think he is a very strong writer and a very original writer um and all the performance you know, like all the performances are spot on um yeah all of the the kind of it, it's the comedy is is very wordy but it's very it's very mm -hmm. smart but it's also stupid like that there's that duality of the physical comedy and the the kind of re recurring, like returning to punchlines, like the, the Yuri, the Russian guy in his alcoves. And like, he has the conversation about alcoves with, with, um, with Ray or no with Ken. And it's totally different than the conversation with Harry. And it's the same conversation just played differently to show how much of Harry's like, how much Harry's like an asshole. <laughs> and uh and it's 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 just really really smart the, and the another physical comedy part that i remember is the or the fact that the, there's so many kind of recurring punchlines like the talking about the bottle when they recount the 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 fact that ken had to kill the guy's brother because he came towards him with a bottle with a broken bottle and then when when ray's in the on the date and the that Canadian woman tries to bottle him. <laughs> what does he yeah. say? He's like, he's like, oh, with the bottle, okay. And then he like hits her in the face. It's so funny because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, like punched a woman. It's like no, I punched a woman trying to kill me with a bottle. Yeah, no, no, I would never hit a woman, but a woman hit, coming to try and kill me with a bottle—that's a different thing entirely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just—it's like, it's so smart. I love it, but it's also a, so like, stupid. Even, and then even how that simple like stupid scene of him just being cheeky and then making like the this is for john lennon and, it's, and then that comes back later like so many 
jokes just come back to like later on in the movie for like that's why he ends up back in Bruges in the end because the Canadians got him I guess kicked off the train or I guess arrested I assume arrested yeah um but um yeah it's it, a it's a great comedy movie and uh who there was somebody I used to know that uh I think it was Ryan who I used to work with this is like one of his favorite movies and uh yeah this one slaps absolutely so i'm glad you chose it and i'm glad i had it i forgot that i owned this movie on blu-ray so i'm glad to bust it out and just yeah i think i don't think it's streaming ever anywhere um no. so you know if you want to watch it you got to rent it or you got to know somebody who has it or you got to you know head out to the high seas uh not that i uh encourage that but um, but it's a great watch and it's, it's, you know, it's not super long either 107 minutes. Um, so it's just a little over an hour and a half. I think it's like an hour and 47 minutes. Um, and it clips along really, really well. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's what a outstanding debut film, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just truly all, all the performances are great. The set pieces are great. They actually filmed it in Bruges. The comedy is great. It's a little, it's a dark comedy film. So be, be prepared for some, uh, um, how can I put it lightly? There is a scene where a, where a, a, a little person, a dwarf, uh, uh, which is what he it's wants to be midget. called. Um, but he, uh, he, he, he takes a lot of cocaine and rants about a race war. Um, which is very, very funny, that whole sequence. Yeah. But it is a, uh, you know, this is a, a, an Irish, uh, Irish, English written film with, with uh, very European uh, attitudes. And, uh, and it's a dark comedy. So there are jokes in it that uh, are, uh, some people may find offensive, to which I say, I don't care. This movie's sick. Find you offensive. Finding me offensive. Um, Marshall Mathers. Oh, the great Eminem. I wonder if he likes In Bruges. Um, I don't know. I don't know what kind of movies Eminem's into. I I wonder. Imagine Um, he just watches Eight Mile just on repeat. That's the only movie he watches. I don't know. (laughs) He just watches Eight Mile and like uh, Good Burger or something. Like some weird, like random. Um, what's the one with the uh, how am I forgetting the name of it? The one with Dave Chappelle, the weed one, half baked. Yes. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. So the, let's let's give some context. Martin Martin mm-hmm. McDonough, yes. uh, a British Irish playwright and filmmaker. He's uh, kind of known for his absurdist black humor, and uh, and he uh, kind of rose to prominence uh, with many of his plays being produced on the West End and on Broadway, including uh, The Beauty of Queen uh, Linane, The Cripple of Inishman, The Lonesome West, Lieutenant of uh, Inishmore, The Pillowman, A Beheading in Spokane, and Hangman. Uh, he won uh, an Academy Award for Best Live Action Short Film, Six Shooter, in 2004, and has received nominations for it's six... It's on YouTube. It's actually really good. I watched it a couple years ago. Nice. Six Shooter. Uh, yeah. you, won, you nominations for six other Academy Awards. Um, uh, he's also directed the dark comedy films in Bruges, Seven Psychopaths, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and The Banshees of Inishirin. Um 
I love three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I'll yeah. talk about that later. After yeah. This, but, yeah. Uh, and uh, and this was in Bruges was his first film. The film stars Colin Farrell as Ray, uh, Brendan Gleeson as Ken, Ray Fiennes as Harry Waters, uh, Clemens Posey as Chloe, um, Jordan Pretense as Jimmy, uh, and a variety of other uh, kind of bit bit parts and character character um, actors. Uh, it it is uh, um, has some uh, references to some previously uh, uh, released plays um, and films, including uh, Harold Pinter's One Act Play the Dumb Waiter, uh, and uh, uh, Nicholas. I don't know how to say his his last name. Roig, Roeg, Nicholas Roeg film. Don't look now. Um, and, uh, and even a nod to, uh, Orson Welles' Touch of Evil. Um, and, uh, there's a lot of, uh, allusions to the work of Hieronymus Bosch, including, uh, Bosch paintings, also some ideas of kind of, uh, uh, religious ideas of morality, themes of redemption, heaven, hell, sin, penitence, or penance, uh, uh not penitence, penance, and, uh, and, you know, all of that's wrapped up in this funny movie about two hitmen. Um, we should say that the the reason why they are in Bruges is because Ray shot a kid, um, which is yeah, he really the, fucked that job up. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is the kind of impetus for these questions of morality and these themes of redemption and and can a person change? And you know, there's this kind of through line of of heavy moral questioning and existentialism that kind of tones the film itself. Um, yeah, that's a big thing for us recently is Hitman botching a job. Big thing going on for us right now. Yeah. Oh, the killer, right. Killer. Yeah, it starts the exact same way. Fucks the job up and then he goes all over the place. But they end up in Bruges, which is not fun. And... uh it's funny how in this, like, I was just realizing watching it this time, how, um, like, Colin Farrell plays the more unlikable guy, and then Brennan Gleeson is v- just very, like, a very kind, nice dude. And they're both hitmen, but, like, you end up very much liking both of them. But, like, and then, like, more recently, when they reteamed again with Martin McDonough to do Banshees of an Isher, and, like, there it was, like, the opposite role, like, Colin Farrell was the very likable guy. And then, you know, Brandon Gleason was just a bit of a dick. And then, <laughs> I don't know. I, did, I didn't realize that this, when I was watching Banshees. This is, but, uh, this is the sickest, I would say, this is the sickest double feature with Banshees. Like, yeah, watch you, this and then watch Banshees. And, I may need to watch Banshees again. I think I need to. And, and all of, I would say, Martin McDonough's films are excellent. Like, I love Seven Psychopaths. Three Billboards is a little bit tougher for me, but I still think it's a fantastic film. I think it's like his best and still just an incredibly, it's just an, an incredibly relevant film. And it's just like everyone, like everyone in that movie is absolutely killing it in, on all levels. Like Francis McDormand, Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson, everybody is nailing it. And like in, in Bruges in, as well, like, but like, you know, you know, Ebbing, Missouri, Three Billboards is just such a, it's so much more serious, but like, and touches on much even darker 
themes than in Bruges. And like in Bruges is a fucked up like think of it. It starts off with like the reason this movie starts because they shot a kid. Yeah, because he shot a kid when killing a priest. He killed yeah, a kid. Like the like, most that's, like that's wild. Reprehensible, like just like insanely like just horrific thing to do ever. Why do you need to kill a priest? Well, I, I actually, I can think of many reasons you probably want to kill a priest. Actually, now thinking of it. Yeah, but anyway, um, the uh, <laughs> this film it was yeah Catholicism. Uh, the uh, um, this film, the budget was fifteen million. Uh, the box office was thirty point thirty four point five million. Not a crazy blockbuster come like blowout thing, but it did double what it, it made double what it cost. So, you know, I'm sure this was considered a win because it is a smaller film and it is the first film from Martin McDonough, but it had a really good positive review wave of reviews from critics. Rotten Tomatoes gives the film a score of 84 um, with an average rating of 7.4 out of 10. I think it's much higher than that. Um, Metacritic gives the average score of 67 out of 100 based on 34 critics, which indicates generally favorable reviews. I think that this film has aged very well. Like, there's a lot of, um, I think, Martin McDonough stylings that have proliferated cinema since, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, and he's still making films that are going, like being nominated for Oscars and writing screenplays that are being nominated for Oscars. Like this guy's good. He's, he's a fantastic filmmaker. Roger Ebert gave it this, uh, a, a film of four out of four. Uh, my guy, Raj, um, he said this debut by theater writer and director Martin McDonough is an endlessly surprising, very dark human comedy with a plot that cannot be foreseen, but only relished which I agree completely. If you are going to go into this film, skip over, like if you haven't watched it, skip over our plot recap and just watch it because it's kind of meandering storylines go in ways that you don't expect. And as we've previously mentioned, things come back around. There's a lot of kind of like Chekhov's uh, punchlines that wind up paying yeah. off later in the film. And uh, it's good to go in with a fresh, fresh no spoiler mindset because this film is really well paced, really well plotted. The story is excellent and it, it all works in tandem with one another, which is something we come back to time and time again on this podcast about how much we enjoy when films are working in one, like all parts of the films are working together as one. And this film very much succeeds at that. And I think McDonough succeeds at that as a filmmaker. Um, and, uh, and this was also, um, uh, Farrell's kind of comeback around, you know, comeback win and, uh, and the AV club, Tasha Robinson, uh, uh praised the performance of him saying Farrell having successfully made the transition from overexposed yet underutilized, underutilized action thriller star to one film a year artiste gets a lot to work with and he sells it flawlessly moving convincingly from offhanded prickly asshole mode to nervous young lover to disintegrating martyr and that then again all the leads are perfectly cast and they help turn a light farce with thriller overtones into something deeper and sweeter which i agree with totally i think every, all three of the main characters in this film 
are giving like blowout performances. And it's one of the things like coupled with the incredible direction and, and editing. But on top of that, the writing, it's just like lightning in a bottle in this movie. What, what, what do you think about that? Um, yes, no, it, it, the, the great thing about Martin McDonough's writing and like a point that I also think is, you know, so great about most of his films. Well, especially the first three, like in Bruges, seven psychopaths and, uh, three billboards is that he, the characters are so well-written that like some of them are some of the worst people ever, but you end up liking them for whatever reason, whether it's just through, you know, a redemption arc or, you know, just the dialogue. They're just, like, hilariously written characters that you're just, like, even though this is a horrible person, like, I, I'm entertained and, like, I love this. Like, it's, uh, he really has a way of, cre- and, like, creating unique characters that are, like, almost, like, cartoonish in how ridiculous they are. Like, he's very much, I guess, in a way, like, sort of, like, a a British like sort of Tarantino-esque like it's kind of like has there's like some Tarantino there there's like some Coen brothers in there but it's and like you know maybe some um uh what the fuck's his name British guy uh the British Tarantino guy uh Snatch and like Lock Stock oh uh Guy Ritchie Guy Ritchie yeah like his earlier sort of gangster films is very reminiscing reminiscent of that and sort of just like you know, gangster films that are very dialogue driven and very funny, um, you know, and it's just kind of like his sort of take on that with like, you know, like I mentioned before, his playwright background. And yeah, I think the dialogue's so great. And then, yeah, even there's so many like just beautiful shots in this movie. And just like, like we mentioned before, like just the acting and how some things even play out so cartoonishly like the fight when he encounters when he fights the canadians in the bar like how he just one punches the guy and then the way he dodges the bottle and just kind of like does a hilarious punch it's it's very funny and yeah, like, it's almost slapstick it's like it's, it's, it's it is literally slapstick. almost yeah. slapstick at times but it mm-hmm. but then it's so wordy and so funny in the words that 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 it, you know are used it's yeah. and it's dark and it's it's mm-hmm. it I think the darkness all is kind of belies the lightness of of the ideas of redemption and the ideas yeah. of per, people can change and there's this like kind of duality in the in the themes of the actual film itself, which makes it especially because the performances are so good it makes it just sparkle to me. I think that this film is um you could talk endlessly about how tightly acted and written and um and and shot and put together this film is uh mm-hmm. on and on and ad nauseum but people need to just watch it for themselves if you like film if you like writing for film if you like good performances if you like dark comedy watch this movie if you haven't and then watch the rest of mcdonough's films if you haven't if you like film and you haven't seen any of them i don't know what to tell you you know like mm-hmm. What 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 do I got to do for you folks? What do I got to yeah. do? Like I mean, this movie has so much. It has you know, dwarfs, little little people, uh, fat Americans, uh, uh, Dutch prostitutes, uh, Russian arms dealers, uh, and you know, Ray Fiennes yelling at his wife. 
give you delivering the best line perhaps in any fucking movie. Babe, that's an inanimate object. You're a fucking inanimate object. Was, You're an inanimate I'm fucking an object. object. <laughs> and then afterwards, he's like, I'm so sorry that I called you an inanimate object. You're not. I was just upset. <laughs> it's just yeah. so funny, man. Um, yeah, and it it's it's got a a bit of everything. It's got a little bit of romance, it's got action, it's got comedy, it's got suspense. Um, it is a film about hitmen after all. It's also an odd couple film, you know. Yeah, uh, Ray and Ken are 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 endeared to each other, but both also off put by each other. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, Ken is a, is a quiet, um, a quiet man, a kind, a kind man, kindly man who isn't a hit, a hit man, an assassin. And Ray is the novice young mentee of, of Ken. And he's a bit of a prickly, prickly asshole, but, but then at the core of it, he's, he's truly shaken and had a rough upbringing and he's a kind of broken person. And so that drives his kind of, especially the fact that he accidentally killed this kid, it's tearing him apart. And a big part of the mm -hmm. film, uh, that, that, that the performance of, of Colin Farrell and the film itself is this kind of, uh, reckoning with his actions and who he is and his future. And, you know, will he, there's a whole section where they're in an art museum looking at images of, of, uh, of like medieval Renaissance images of people being like flayed and tortured in heaven and hell. And they have this whole conversation about redemption and, and, and is it real? Do you think you'll be judged? Will he be able to be judged? Uh, will he be judged for eternity and be going to hell because of what he did, even though it was an accident and he didn't mean to, and he never would do it. And it's like, you know, there's some real gripping performance stuff that happens in there. And for a movie that 15 minutes earlier had me literally laughing, like belly laughing out loud. That's a, a very, very good sign that you can watch a film where both of those situations don't feel out of place and they're both executed perfectly. Yeah. Like I mean, that's sick. I love that shit. That's the movies, yeah. baby. I mean, this movie also has like one of the best like suicide jokes ever. Like the part where, uh, so I guess to jump ahead, you know, so they're in Bruges. And eventually, you know, Harry tells Ken that, hey, you have to you have to kill Ray. So as we mentioned, you know, Ray's really going through it after killing this kid. Like he's going through it. And after one night, you know, he's sitting in a park and Ken's coming up behind him to shooting him in the back of the head. But then Ray pulls out his own gun and puts it to his head. And then Ken's like, hey, what the fuck, man? Like, what? <laughs> you can't do that. And it's just it's like an insanely dark scene, but then it just immediately becomes hilarious. And then they're like having a very serious situation in this like little, little like park thing. Like it's the, just the way this movie does. It does like such a great balancing act of just being like, are you fucking serious? And being like endearing at the same time. It's like very few movies can be this dark and this like, 
actually like in endearing at the same time like the it's it's the, it's, it's quite it's quite impressive dad the one robin williams movie is like the only other one that like i can think of that does it so well where it's so incredibly fucked up like the subject matter but it's just like yes this is like this so well written that you're like no that's fantastic like it's it's amazing it's funny because the end of that uh, that that review from from Tasha Robinson of the AV Club kind of summarized what we're saying is when it's mm-hmm. funny it's hilarious when it's serious it's powerful either way yeah. it's an endless pleasant surprise and i think that's mm-hmm. the thing too that like kind of really the like rap on the door of of greatness that that McDonough like cinematic greatness that he did with this film is that it's his his debut film that is pitch perfect for what he wanted to create. And the performances are incredible. The direction is great. The, the, the writing and like everything is stellar, but, but the thing that really lasts about it is one minute you're laughing and the next minute you're holding your breath. And there's not a lot of films that do that. Um, Mm -hmm. And genuinely laughing. Like I really, really, uh, uh, really like it. Um, there were some other places that gave it three and a half, other four stars, um, four out of five. Um, uh, people were saying that it's, uh, you know, especially after the, the, the rise of Guy Ritchie and, and stuff like that, uh, Damon Wise of Empire Magazine noted that within Bruges, the British gangster movie gets a Croydon facelift. It may not be new, but it's a wonderfully fresh take on a familiar genre, fucked up, far out, and very, very, very funny, um, which I, I agree. Um, yep. Lots of other people commented on McDonough's work about if you know about his, his playwright work, you know the vein of darkness will run deeply through comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Joe Anderson of the Washington Post said, said it has seldom been darker or funnier. He's made a hitman movie in which you don't know what will happen and can't wait to find out. Every movie should be so cliched, which is another thing that I wanted to talk about is how amazingly tongue in cheek McDonough's work is, uh, and sharp and, and wry and, and kind of subversive because he uses cliches so well. Mm-hmm. Like even that thing you're talking about, the, the suicide joke, like that's completely subverting the idea of that situation. You know, mm-hmm. like he's coming up to shoot the guy and the guy pulls out a gun to try to shoot himself and he stops him. Yeah. Like it's, it's the most, even Harry says to him later, you yeah. could have just let him shoot himself and solved the problem then yeah. you wouldn't have even had to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been a it, non-problem, but you saved him because you felt something for him. Like, it's it's so, like, just the way that he, and, and in other films, like, the I think of um, specifically the scene in Seven Psychopaths where they go and they corner um, Christopher Walken's character and they pull out the gun and they're like, Oh, put your or he's like, oh, like draw your weapon. He's like, no. (laughs) So you just shoot me. Like I'm not doing that. (laughs) Like I don't want to pull out my gun. I'm. I don't want to do that. No, you can shoot me. Just shoot me. And the guy's like, I'm not going to shoot you. (laughs) You don't pull out your gun. Pull out your gun. He's like, no. (laughs) 
Yeah. And it's just so, it's such a masterful use of like these kind of filmic cliches and like narrative cliches. And I love it. I love it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, of course, yeah. there were some people who didn't like it as much. Oh. There were who some people who, who uh, you know, um, they, 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 uh, um, the Dove Foundation, the, the foundation that ranks or rates the family movies, they probably didn't like it. So. No, probably not. But uh, Lisa Schwarzbaum of Entertainment, Light, or Entertainment Weekly gave it a C plus. Says she praised McDonough's directing, uh, and uh, and and said that he's a specialist in constructing satisfying live wire dramas of violence that crash up against despair and upending his characters' miseries uh, with moments of twisted humor and in sustaining a writing voice that roars with a particularly Irish robustness of of obscenity. But added that. Uh, um, you know that that uh, uh, neither star is sloppy, but both are loose and mellow. A couple of pros who know they're the whole show, um, but had some some criticisms of kind of the uh, some of the humor, some of the uh, themes, some of the way that it was put together. Um, also, Ella Taylor of the Village Voice said that in Bruges may be the movie's or Bruges may be the movie's ra- rather too long running joke, um, and had some issues with uh, with with some of the cinematic choices of it. But uh, said that uh, Farrell's shaggy brow is the easily the most entertaining thing in the Irish playwright Martin McDonough's first foray foray into the crime caper. Um, so, you know, there, there were some people who, who had some issues with it, but overall it was critically uh, lauded by, by film critics. People who mm-hmm. like film really liked it. Um, but obviously some people, it's not for everybody. I guess we'll say that. It's no. not for everybody. Because it is a dark comedy. It is violent. It is, um, it pushes crass some, yeah, crass. And it pushes some boundaries. Um, and uh, and also, if you don't like the word "cunt," sorry, uh, maybe don't uh, don't don't watch this because that's, that's see you uh, next Tuesday. Yeah, see you next Tuesday. That's what I should have said. But you know what? Eh, We're talking about in Bruges. Um, they uh, they yeah. yeah they throw out that one quite a bit, along with some other, not necessarily uh, PC jokes and uh, and. Uh, and moments in the film, but it's Martin McDonough, Irish dark comedy about a hitman, like you know, very yeah, European. I mean, you know, you got a different point thing. of view a little bit. So yeah, if you're uh, surprised that hitmen say bad things, then boy oh boy, that's you got your priorities all out of whack. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, you already talked about the. The race war thing. Oh, man. There is a that's joke funny. about uh, about about. But then it's also funny how like that's the great thing is that everything in this movie somehow comes back in one way or another. So then you know, um, what's the uh, little person's name? Johnny. Jimmy. No, Jimmy. Jimmy. Like so, he they're like ripped on coke. So they're just like talking wildness, like 
like you do when you're on blow. You just talk the absolute wildest shit possible. Both going a mile a minute, you know? Yeah, Jimmy was saying some wild shit, and then when they see him later, they're like, yeah, you were saying some wild shit. He's like, it was the coke. It was the coke. Like, that's, like, that's the thing. Like, everything in this movie at some point, like, plays. It's a very self-contained, self-referential movie. Like, in, like... So well, yeah, many I mean, things it, come back in some way. It's actually that's like I can't uh, stress enough like how great the writing of this film is. It's excellent. I mean, even let's take yeah. a let's okay, we're in deep enough in this is we're, we're talking spoiler territories mm-hmm. now, but like the fact that Harry is like, oh, he killed a kid. You know, you can't you can't get away if you kill the kid, even if it was an accident. If yeah. I accidentally kill the kid. I wouldn't think twice. I would stick my gun in my head and blow my brains out. And then at the end of the film, he goes to shoot Ray, who's escaping, Colin Farrell's character, shoots him a bunch of times and accidentally kills Jimmy, who's dressed as a child for the movie that he's shooting. When they were talking about, when they were talking to him and he was like, it was the Coke, it was the Coke. They were laughing at him because he was dressed like a child. And even he was like, it's for the movie. Like I'm dressed like a child for the movie. And then he says, everything is, he says, we're shooting down by the canal. You should come by. And then they have the shootout. Like he jumps, Ray jumps onto the boat and Harry shoots him and then follows the boat. And then they go, Ray gets out on the canal and he's in the movie set. Jimmy sees him, walks towards him, gets shot by Harry. And then Harry immediately shoots himself in the head. Yeah. And and what does he say before? Does he say it's the principal or something like that? And then shoots himself in the head. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit. This like everything in this yeah, film. Paul Farrell is trying to be like, it's not a kid. Like, it's not a kid, but he, but he's yeah. dying. So he's like, he can't get it out. And then Harry's like, well, it's principal, you know, and shoots himself, which is like part of the whole thing that Ken's trying to talk to him about is that he's like, I love you because you're so stuck to your principles and so stubborn. But sometimes, you know, you're, you know, this kid doesn't need to be killed. Like he can be, he can go, he can be given a chance at a second, you know, redemption in life because he didn't mean to do it. And, and Harry's like, well, okay, I guess shoots Ken in the leg and is like, I had to hurt you. I can't, that that whole scene's funny where he's like, well, I can't shoot you now after you said all that nice stuff. And then he shoots him in the leg. He's like, well, you think I can't, I can let you walk out of here without being injured. You know, there has to be some, some punishment for what you did. But then he finds out that Ray's still alive and then they fight again because it's like, he can't let it go. He could let it go if it was out of sight, out of mind. But when it becomes comes back, he can't, and he winds up shooting Ken and, and leading to Ken jumping off the roof, which is yeah. incredibly gory death scene. Oh, yeah, he gets... Gnarly. Mangled. Gnarly. Uh, but that that's, like, another... Like, like we mentioned, how the movie goes from so sentimental to so dark, like, even the part when they go up the tower and Harry and um, <clears throat> and Ken are up there and they're going to have the shootout, but then Ken puts his gun down and then Harry's just like, come on, man. Like, I can't just like fucking, you know, and then they have that conversation and then, you know, then he shoots him, but then, you know, he feels bad for shooting him. So now he's helping him down these like incredibly narrow winding stairs up a tower, which is 
another funny sequence too like just another funny visual as well and then the one dude comes and tells him oh ray's at the bar and then it's immediately intense again and then or another great scene is when uh when harry chases ray back to the like the uh bed and breakfast the inn that they're staying in and they're like arguing how they're going to like have a shootout pretty much it's like well, I'm going to jump out the window and you're going to go that way. It's like, which way? It's like, right. It's like, it's the fucking canal. He's like, he, he, and then he's, then Harry goes, well, I've only just got here, haven't I? Like, yeah. He doesn't know his way around because he hasn't been in Bruges for at least only been And then there's lives. the funny part where he literally pulls out a map and the it's just a giant circle. It just says hotel or something like that. Yeah. Like it's, just, it's so ridiculously stupid at times, but then... I also I also like that smart and genius. Yeah, I I also I think I love that scene too because they're arguing and that they're arguing because the owner won't leave. And yeah. earlier in the film, when Harry calls, he's like leaves a note for me. He's like, I have to leave a note with the the receptionist, and she's like, Will you tell your friend I'm not the receptionist? I'm one of the owners with my husband. And then yeah. when they're having the conversation about like trying to get there harry's trying to get up there she's like i'm not moving and he's like she's like i'm one of the owners with my husband and i'm not leaving here so you're just not going to shoot each other in my hotel and then that's when they have the conversation about like okay let's take it outside of the hotel and how are we going to do it um which is funny because most of the shootouts in this (laughs) movie have a preface where they discuss it like ken and harry are like well, we could, we can't really do well. Ken insults Harry's kids, and he's like, he's like, you can't just go insulting someone's fucking kids. <laughs> he's like, I should shoot you right here. This this kind of thing. And Ken's like, okay, I retract that part of my statement. I retract it. I retracted it, didn't I? Um, yeah. Let's go to the top of the bell tower because nobody's up there. And then they, you know, it, again, the recurring joke of the guy who works at the bottom of the bell tower and how Ken is kind and will give him the the proper change because the guy won't let him get in for four dollars or four euros and 90 cents and then so he gives him a 50 and he's like do you enjoy your job and the guy's like very much (laughs) (laughs) and then when harry comes and the guy's like you guys can't get up there harry just starts beating him or like hell yeah he's just like beats him with his gun i'm pretty sure yeah yeah Um, insane it's good. All right. So I guess, I mean, I'll fly through the, the plot of this film here. We'll stop for any other important parts. But, uh, 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 you know, I'll, I'll play it out in, in plot, not in, uh, in, in actual. Or what is it? Is it story, not plot? What's the one that's like the actual linear event? Um, how am I forgetting this? I believe. I anyway, plot is how it just is, is plotted. The story is how is it? Uh, ah, okay, know. yes. Well, anyway, carrying out is orders. Uh, uh, young, uh, for on his first first mission, uh, inexperienced hitman Ray goes to meet a priest during confession, shoots him. The priest gets up, tries to walk out of the room, gets the door open. Ray pops him a bunch more times. The priest falls, and then uh, you find out that. Uh, the the priest had opened the door and he says something when he's getting shot. If you don't have subtitles on, he's saying the boy, and uh, and then and then uh, uh, Ray realizes that he's domed a kid who's praying, 
And he's got a little piece of paper saying that he's praying to be sorry for being bad at maths and being a bad uh, a troublemaker and being, you know, whatever. And Ray looks at it and starts freaking out, falls to his knees, and Ken grabs him. They are sent to Bruges in, in uh, Belgium by their employer, Harry, where they are to lay low and wait, a fur, wait await further instructions. Ken, he thinks the city is beautiful and relaxing. Ray mm-hmm. thinks it's a piece of shit. And, yep. uh, and we're introduced to that really quickly. They go on a boat ride together. Ken is talking about how old the buildings are and how beautiful it is. Ray is like, can we go to a pub? Can we get drunk? This sucks. You don't know at the start of the film because you don't really, you aren't really shown the stuff about the, uh, um, the murder of the kid until about halfway mm-hmm. through. So at the start, yeah. you just think that, that Ray's a curmudgeon and that, and that he's yeah. purposely just an asshole, which is important yeah. because it kind of sets up the turn, the character's turn later. Uh, that you think that 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 he just doesn't like it, and Ken is just kind of this dopey guy who's having fun in this fantasy land, and mm-hmm. and Ray is like, I would we could have hid, we could have laid low in in you know some small town in the UK, like we didn't have to leave yeah. London. Um, yeah, you you know that they just finished the job and that they're hiding out, but you don't nest, you don't know what happened. At exactly. that job, yeah, it slowly reveals itself. Like at one point, Ken says something. It's like, "Hey, don't, we, I don't need to, you know, remind you of that." And Ray's like, "I know, I, like, fuck off." Like, yeah, we know. But then, eventually, then eventually, it just, you know, later on, it just shows you what happens, which is kind of fucked up that it just shows that. That's insane. Um, and they also, you know, they're told that they crazy. can't. They have to stay in their hotel room. They're waiting for a phone call from Ray, but they do go out during the day and do some some touristy things. They do go to a pub together. They actually chance upon a film shoot. Well, Ken goes up the top of this tower in Bruges, this bell tower, uh, uh, but Ray doesn't want to, which leads to a very hilarious confrontation with some uh, uh, Americans. Elephants. Uh, or, or British. I don't know if they're British or American, but they're big. No, they're American. Big big people and uh and ray jokingly says like you can't fit up there like you're not going to make it up the tower it's like super tight and you guys are all big you know and their guys like well what are you what yeah he's like what are you implying he's like well you're he's fucking elephants and then the big man tries to fight him but he just (laughs) jumps around him and like ducks under his arms and stuff (laughs) it's pretty funny Uh, and then, uh, and then the 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 wife and uh, and I guess mother of the big man come to his aid when he gets out of breath. Ken returns from climbing up the bell tower and looking around at the beautiful Bruges, and he sees what's going on. And and he's they're like he's like what's going on? And they're like, oh, you guys are so rude. We just want to go up the tower. And Ken's like, well, I don't know if that's best for you. It's really tight, narrow. Uh, staircase and they're like you fucking asshole and he just looks at him like what um they also chance upon a film shooting uh uh and uh and it involves a dwarf actor jimmy which amuses ray uh ray also meets chloe a local drug dealer moonlighting as a production assistant he's very attracted to her they have some little flirtations and she gives him uh her phone number um he returns back to the the hotel and uh, obviously intoxicated and he and Ken have a bit of a back and forth and 
he tells Ken, you know, tomorrow, uh, he's like, I met this girl and tomorrow I want to go on a date. The next morning, he, uh, he, you know, they, uh, Ken says, well, Ray called and he wants us in there tonight so we can have a conversation and, uh, or not Ray, Harry, sorry, Harry called and, and he wants us there. And Ray says, well, I've got this date. Can I go out on the date? You know, only one of us need to be there for the conversation and Ken obliges him. So Ray goes with uh, Chloe to a restaurant where he uh, mistakes a ca- what we find out later is a Canadian couple as an American mm-hmm. couple who are uh, griping about Chloe's smoking of a cigarette. Um, now, obviously, mm-hmm. this is 2008 in Europe, so people were still, there was still smoking section inside. She's puffing on a cigarette. The guy really doesn't like it. And he's like, oh, it's fucking unbelievable, which leads when Chloe goes to the washroom, Ray to saying, what's fucking unbelievable? And then, uh, and then making weird allusions to like bad things Americans have done, like the Vietnam War. And the guy's like, yeah. what the fuck does the Vietnam War have to do with your friend blowing smoke in me and my wife, wife's face? What does that have to do with anything? Uh, which leads to them, uh, which leads to Ray punching out the guy, the guy's yeah. wife trying to bottle him and, uh, and, and um, Ray and punching uh, the woman knocking and then out. being like, this is for John Lennon. <laughs> uh, we should also say line. earlier, uh, before this happens, um, we we are also, uh, we see them go to the museum. We had mentioned that scene before. I forgot about that. That they go yeah. to the museum together. They look at the images. And then you are introduced to the the fact that, that um, Ray killed the child. And we see the flashback. And they have a conversation about redemption, about heaven and hell, about judgment, about all of those things. And and Ken reassures Ray and sees that he's quite broken up over it. He's quite fucked up over this and that he mm-hmm. he's very upset about it. And it's one of the things that's making him so disagreeable is that that he's he's feeling tor- he's tortured. His, his, his psyche is tortured because of what has happened. Um. So uh, uh, Chloe takes Ray to his apartment where they begin to fool around uh, and are, are about to engage in coitus when her ex-boyfriend Eric appears and threatens Ray with a handgun. Um, Ray takes the handgun and uh, fires the gun, but uh, finds out that it's, well, he, he, he takes the gun and, and Chloe says it's filled with blanks. And so he fi- fires it, finds it full of blanks. And then he's like, obviously you, this was a setup right? Like this was something that was supposed to set me up. There's no way a girl like you would like me. This is insane. I shouldn't have believed it. And Eric tries to run up on him and, uh, and Ray uh, shoots him with a blank in one of his eyes and blinds him. Um, yeah. Chloe the, admits it's the funniest line. The one, the guy's like, I'm blinded. He's like, yeah, I just shot you in the eye with a fucking blank. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, Chloe admits that she and Eric robbed tourists, but she insists that she had told Eric Ray was not a target and uh, Chloe drives Eric to the hospital and Ray takes the gun and takes a bunch of live rounds as well as Chloe's stash of drugs. He and Ken, who has now found out while he's away, Ken gets a call from Harry who tells Ken that uh, you got to kill Ray. You got to shoot him. He killed a kid. There's nothing you can do about it. You got to shoot him in the head. I, I sent you guys to Bruges because it's this fairy tale place. I wanted him to have a, a an amazing couple days before he dies because it was an accident and and harry feels bad uh that he that ken has to do it but ken has to do it 
And Ken concocts the story about how Ray's really enjoying himself and how he, he says, what is it like? This place is like I'm dreaming, but I'm not dreaming or something like that. Uh, and, uh, and says, yeah, he'll kill him, which, uh, which then leads to, to Ray coming upon Ken in a bar. Ken's been drinking because he's like, you know, dejected over the fact that he's going to have to kill his, his mentee and his, uh, his, his friend. And uh, so they spend a night, a debauched night with the dwarf actor, Jimmy. Uh, and they do the, uh, the cocaine and various other drugs that they stole from Chloe's apartment. And this is the scene where you have the uh, uh, rant about the coming war between black and white people with Ray asking questions like what side will the Vietnamese be on? Mm-hmm. Um, which is really funny, <laughs> inappropriate, but very funny. Yeah. Um, it's funny later. He's like, yeah, he doesn't want any of them. Not even the Vietnamese. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, um, so uh, the next day, uh, Ken goes to pick up uh, handguns supplied by Harry's local contact, Yuri, which has the very, very funny conversation about the alcoves and uh, and just, just so weird. Um, and... Uh, and Ray prepares to to and and Ray at the time we don't know is preparing to kill himself, and um, and so he leaves. He tries to give money to the uh, the 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 owner of the the hotel. Tries to give her two hundred euros for the baby, and uh, and goes out. Says he's going out to a park. Uh, Ken realizes what's going on and goes out to find him, uh, and finds him sitting there. Uh, and uh, is preparing to kill himself with Eric's loaded gun, uh, and Ken is walking up behind him, ready to shoot him, uh, and uh, Ken stops him and, and then informs him of Harry's order, and he tells yeah. Ray to leave Bruges to have a fresh start, that gonna, we're going to put you on a train, you can go wherever you want to go, we're just going to get you out of here, I'll deal with Harry, you just go, and you, you don't look, look back, you just go as far as you can and start over. Because you you know it was an accident, you shouldn't kill yourself over this, um, and I shouldn't kill you over it. Basically, mm-hmm. um, so then uh, uh, he, he gives him some money, confiscates his gun, puts him on a train. Ray makes the joke that like, well, Harry can't be that mad because I'm probably just going to kill myself again in two weeks, and mm-hmm. Ken's like, don't do that. <laughs> Don't do it, and uh, and Ray Ray gets on the train and starts leaving, uh, happy to leave Bruges. He's he's happy to be out of that town. He hates it. Ken tells the truth back to Harry, who smashes his phone. His wife comes in, and you get the immaculate line reading: "You're an inanimate fucking object." Uh, and um, and and uh, Harry immediately sets out for Bruges, who's mad at uh, Ken for the insubordination. He goes picks up a gun at Yuri's. Uh, and uh, and Eric, Yuri's son, who we find out is Yuri's son, uh, mm-hmm. the blinded guy. See, everything's coming back around. It all comes back around yeah. in this film. Uh, uh, they learns of of his intention to and what has gone, what has transpired, and that he's going to go kill Ken because Ken let it, let Ray get away. And uh, Harry also belittles Eric, and he's like, you know, how how did you let a guy steal your gun and blind you with blanks? Like, he's like, yeah. 
It's like, you kind of suck, dude. Like he's, he's just like <laughs> insults him to his face. And Eric gets up and is mad. And Yuri's like, no, don't, don't do that. This is a serious man. Um, Ray's train is stopped and the police uh, escort him back to Bruges for attacking the Canadians, where we later find Chloe bails him out and the two share a drink uh, in the market square beneath the, belf- the belfry of Bruges. That's the, the tower. Um, Harry spots Ken sitting outside a cafe. Ken waves him over and the two have drinks. Uh, uh, Harry boasts that if he had himself killed the child, he would have immediately taken his own life. Ken argues that Ray is trying to better himself and deserves a chance at redemption. He also says to Harry, Harry, you know, you are a cunt. You are a bastard. You are, you know, you are incapable of looking at this in any other way. So we have to have a gunfight. We have to have a gunfight, but this is on you. Right. And, uh, and so they, Harry is not convinced that that Ray deserves a chance. They, they decide they're going to go up the bell tower for a shootout away from bystanders. And they walk up there together after beating the, the, um, tower, which is also a hilarious place. Like how do you have a gunfight in a tower? I don't know. But, but Ken says he wants to go up there because he likes it. He, when they get up there, he's like, you know, I really like Bruges and I like up here. It looks like, a, it looks like a fantasy, you know? And, and which is funny because it's something that keeps coming back that you know, Ken loves it. And, and Ray just thinks it's like a shithole. Um, yeah. They at the top, Ken, Harry pulls out the gun Ken puts his gun down and says, I'm not doing anything. You know what? I understand why you got to do what you got to do. Part of your, um, part of you, the reason why I, I like you is your steadfastness to your, uh, belief system and, uh, and, and your, um, sorry, my screen froze. There we go. Your, your steadfastness, fastness to your principles and what you've done for me, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. Like I will take whatever punishment you want to give to me, but I love you, man. Even though you're an asshole, like, you know, the things we've done together and things I owe you, all of that aside, I couldn't kill him for the mistake he made. He deserves a chance at redemption. He's on a train. He's, he's gone somewhere else and, and he tried to kill himself. Like he's, he's already, you know, and and when they're at the table before they go up, that's when Harry says, you know, he tried to kill himself. Why didn't you just let him kill himself? You know, mm-hmm. like, why didn't you just let him solve the problem? And uh, and you realize that Ken is, you know, has a soft spot for him, obviously. And, yeah. and also it has some grappling with his own job and his morality and his, you know, principles. And so, you know, Ken says, do what you got to do. And Harry says, well, you just said all that nice stuff about me. I can't kill you. I guess you're right. The problem is solved. If I never see him again, fine. He's gone, whatever. I can't really shoot you after you say all that stuff. I love you too, man. Like, okay. And then immediately shoots Ken in the leg because he's like, you didn't think I I could let you not be injured. Like you have to have some sort of punishment for your insubordination. And then, uh, and then Harry offers to help carry Ken yeah. down the, uh, the bell tower. 
and they're walking down together talking about what is it going to get a drink or something like they're yeah they're just like being friends meanwhile downstairs jimmy jimmy goes over to to talk to chloe and uh and ray and they have that's the scene where he's dressed as a child and they're laughing at him and they make the joke about his rant while he was on cocaine Mm -hmm. but the war the race war and they're you know Jimmy's like, I would be more inclined to believe you if you weren't laughing at me. And they're like, sorry, man, you're dressed as like an orphan kid. Like, (laughs) and, um, and, uh, and, and Ray apologizes. I forgot to mention that during the night of, of drug fuel, Ray karate chops, Jimmy, uh, (laughs) which is very funny. Uh, um, and then he apologizes for karate. Yeah. He's like, I'm sorry for karate chopping you the other night, Jimmy. Um, the other thing uh, that is happening is Eric is pacing back and forth. He's been emasculated. He's blind in one eye and, uh, and he's, he's angry and he's pacing back and forth and he happens upon Chloe, his ex and, and Ray sitting together and they motion for him to come over and sit with him, suggesting that, you know, maybe this violence is all behind everybody. That's the kind of twist as you get to this point in the film and you think, Maybe this is everybody is turning over a new leaf. You know, maybe things are going to work out for the best. But if you know Martin McDonough, then you know that that's not the case. Eric sees them and runs up the bell tower, tells Harry and Ken that that Ray is, or uh, yeah, Harry and Ken that Ray is sitting in the uh, in the cafe. Um, mm-hmm. Harry and Ken fight each other. Uh, Ken's Ken's weak from losing blood, so he's not able to hold off. Uh, uh, Harry's gun, Harry shoots him in the neck and then runs down to the tower to, uh, get Ray and kill Ray. Uh, um, but Ken wanting to let him know about, uh, about what was happening, crawls his way up to the top of the tower and commits suicide because he's dying. He jumps off the top yeah. of the tower in hopes of not only in giving him a heads up, but he puts his gun in his pocket hoping that the gun will survive the fall and that Ray can shoot Harry when he comes down the bottom of the tower. Pretty gnarly stuff. Um, And uh, uh, the gun is broken, unfortunately, but Ray, before he dies, uh, or before before Ken dies, he tells Ray, Harry is here. And then he says, I think I'm dying. And he dies. Uh, And uh, this leads to a drawn out chase back to the hotel and from the hotel to the, um, uh, the, the, what do you call it? Canal. And then from the canal to the movie set, uh, Harry is following Ray. He shoots Ray once from, uh, far away when Ray jumps down on the boat and, uh, and then Ray runs through bleeding through the movie set. Jimmy sees Ray and, uh, and goes towards Ray thinking that Ray has come to watch the filming and, uh, and Harry fires into Ray five, six times, killing Jimmy. Who's right in front of him, um, mm-hmm. shooting him in the head, which leads Harry to think that he has killed a he child, a child, and he stands on his principle, which we've been told by Ken, by, uh, other characters, uh, Yuri, the, the Russian man that of how on, bullheaded and stubborn and on principle Harry is uh, and through Harry's actions we've seen how you know kind of convict how strong his convictions are for things 
mm-hmm. and so he says, you know, it's the principle of it. He shoots himself in the head. And the last scenes of the film, we are, it could be a dream sequence. It could be that, that he's, that Ray has, has died. It could also be a surrealist, uh, um, kind of summation, but we see a lot of the characters from the film who happen to be at the movie set. They're all watching, uh, uh, Ray get carried away. We see it from his point of view and, uh, and he muses to himself in his head about, about, you know, um, what hell is and, and will he be able to be forgiven and what he will do if he survives, he will go back to the woman at the, at the hotel and, and, let her choose what kind of punishment he will get because he nearly had her killed and her baby killed. And, uh, and, uh, and then he says, you know, hell, hell would probably be, what is it? He says like, seems like spending eternity in Bruges would be hell to him or something like mm-hmm. that. I forget the exact wording in the last line. Uh, and then the film ends. It's quite bleak, quite bleak ending, but everything comes yeah. back around. It's all encapsulated all of the different story strands. And I, there's so much, more little stuff that happens that I feel like I probably missed, but for the sake of time, we wanted to kind of, I don't want to go into all of the, uh, every single joke and every single red herring or thing that comes back around punchline that, that comes back around. Um, but yes, so that's basically the plot. Did I miss anything major in there? I don't think so. No, I think you got it all. Bang. All of it. So all of it, the film ends and you're left with, you know, does Ray die? Does it matter if he dies? What is the nature of redemption? If everybody, the other thing is that everybody in this film, no matter what their kind of moral stance on all of this is, is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, all three of them are for all intents and purposes, dead at the end of it. Yes. Um, and it, you know when you get to the ending like that, it makes you think back on the movie, and it makes you think back on what you know, all the things that they, the little things they could have done different, that things would have <laughs> been handled differently. Like if Ray had just shot the priest five times in the confession booth instead of letting the priest walk out, he wouldn't have mm-hmm. shot the kid. And if Ken would have let Ray shoot himself, he wouldn't have had to face Harry. And if Harry had just let Ray go, he wouldn't have had to, he wouldn't have shot the kid, the, the shot Jimmy and think it's a kid and have to mm-hmm. kill himself. You know, there's all these choices that the characters make and principles they stand on, moral decisions that they make that ultimately lead to their downfall. Um, very Irish of, of Mr. McDonough. Um, the Irish, known for being a very positive literary, <laughs> literary history. <laughs> mm-hmm. of uh, of absolute inner turmoil and darkness. Y'all ever read James Joyce? Man, uh, the Irish uh, view of guilt is magnificent. Um, I guess there's, yeah, there's a lot of guilt, a lot of morality stuff, a lot of, uh, I guess those are common themes of, um, uh, uh, Mark McDonough films, like, uh, you know, or yeah, I guess, yeah, guilt is a big one or, you know, not trying or people not, you know, finding out who is guilty in some cases, like, is this one I think deals with a lot of guilt, uh, Banshees of an Isher and deals with, I guess, a lot of guilt, I guess, because 
you know, he, Colin Farrell's character, that is like trying to figure out, like, well, why doesn't he like me? Like, well, what did I do? Like, well, that movie's fuck? that movie's just like a one long uh, metaphor for the Irish Civil War. Um, yeah, and uh, a bit heavy, heavy hand, a bit heavy handedly so. Yeah. Um, not as good as this doesn't. I think this is what tackles it in a much funnier way, much uh, poignant way, I think. I need to watch Banshees again. I need to... I need to... really look at it, like... Because I only watched it once, and I wasn't really thinking about it critically, and now that I've watched In Bruges, I kind of want to go back and watch Banshees again and think about it, like, critically and from, like, a play playwright point of view and, like, mm-hmm. thematically. Instead of just being like, oh, it's funny that, you know, Brennan Gleason is like so doesn't want to be his friend so much that he's like cutting off his own fingers and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just bombastic and wild. Um, and then at the end when they do the whole thing and he's like, oh, I watched your dog, you know, like, <laughs> and, yeah. and then they're like the Civil War's over and they're like standing there being like, are we friends? No, but like I'll watch your dog if you need me to. You know what I mean? Like, then I was like, oh, this is all a metaphor for the Civil War, and I then now I need to go back and watch it again. So, um, you uh, you wanted to talk about three bill, but well, do we do we have anything else we want to say about this wonderful film? Watch it if you haven't seen it. It's funny. It's great. It's an excellent dark comedy thriller crime film. Uh, Rafe, Colin, and and Brendan are all knockout performances um if you like dark comedy right up your alley i don't know is there anything else you want to talk about this well written well acted uh score is good as well oh yeah right talk about that uh i mean it's pretty there's just like a couple themes that play throughout but it's uh it's a good one like it's even some parts gets pretty intense i I don't know there's what the one there's a one piano part where they're in like coming down the uh the tower that I just, I really like that part. Um, who was it? Carter Burwell, who did a lot of stuff with the Coen brothers, did the score. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just, yeah, I liked it. Um, what else? Yeah. No, there's not a lot of, like, I, I feel like this movie's very straightforward and it covers a lot. And, like, there's a lot in it, but, like, it's not, like, it's not hiding anything, though, I don't think. You know, there's nothing, there's not like subliminal things in this. I think it's pretty straightforward with all of it It, because the point is it's trying to get laughs. So it's not hiding everything. It's very, very much like wants you to know all the absurd things that are going on so that, you know, it pays off in such, you know, ways, such big ways so that, you know, you you get every punchline. And there's a lot of punchlines in this movie, like so many uh, physical jokes uh as we mentioned and uh i guess that's the thing about martin mcdonough and his brother uh john michael mcdonough who's another fantastic filmmaker as well uh yeah they both have a lot of physical and dark comedy like um john michael mcdonough one of my favorite films ever is uh calvary which also has uh uh brendan gleason in it who's that's a banger in sort of yeah, that movie's sick, which is about he's playing a a priest uh, and somebody comes and confesses to him that he's going to kill them in 
forget how many days or yeah it's gonna kill him like in a week or something and then it's just like you know just Brennan Gleason's character just kind of like walking around this town interacting with characters and just kind of figuring trying to figure out like who's gonna kill him and like it's the same thing where like he just kind of like accepts the fate like kind of just accepts what's gonna happen and yeah there's a lot of death in uh both of these guys' movies. Uh, uh, What's the other one that his brother, The Guard, another one. Oh, I love that movie with Don Cheadle. uh, So good. Where, what's it, is there's like a, it's something on the border of somewhere. So they, so there's a guy from the FBI, but then uh, Brennan Gleason's character is from some other agency and they're trying to like work together and it's just you know another sort I'm of pretty sure he's couple from, type situation. from scotland yard uh let me look at this I, up I it's been a while since i've seen it which makes me that but, i should watch it but um, yeah so you know anyway these two brothers both deal with a lot of dark subject matter and deal with it so hilariously like Three Billboards Outside Evan, Missouri is one of the darkest movies out there. And it's also hilarious. Like, Sam Rockwell delivers, like, one of the funniest characters ever. But in the same way, it's he's also such a morally terrible, shitty, racist character. Like, and... You know, just the way they treat like Frances McDormand's character in that film, like she they treat her like she's just like an insane lady. And she's like, No, my daughter was raped and murdered and, and you did nothing. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, of course I'm pissed. You my life's ruined. My life is in shambles. And you're just a bunch of racist assholes, like for no reason whatsoever. You're just dickheads. But then somehow, in a way that only Martin McDonough could, like, you end up somehow liking these shitty, like, you end up liking Sam Rockwell's character, like, because he redeems himself in such, like, an incredibly fucked up way. And then you're like, okay. And then that movie ends with them being like, yeah, we're going to go kill a guy. Let's do that. And And you feel good about it. You're like, yes, go into the world and kill that man. You deserve and like it's there's so many like it's that's so fucked up and like even in this like, oh, in, in Bruges everyone dies and then you're kind of like yeah well you know what I hope at, he's at peace at least and you're like he's a child murderer why why do you give a fuck what happens to him like who gives a shit what really happens to this guy who gives a fuck like he is a terror he's a hitman why the fuck would you do you care but it's just such genius writing and just like the stories i don't know they're just very well written stories and believable in a very fucked up way as well like i don't know because they're usually very self-contained like you know banshees of initiative just about a very small town as well like you that could very much happen you know all of these movies are very possible yeah they're contained they're mm-hmm. they're well written they're well separated the acts are well separate i mean that comes from i think him being a playwright you know what i mean and yes, absolutely and all of his films i i enjoy i like his brother's films um i'm so glad we got to talk about this film um 
I have no, uh, I, you're right that it is so simply good and self-contained and fairly straightforward. I mean, we could get into the talk about the themes of morality and all this, but like, I think what's better about this film is that when you watch it, it makes you think about those things, you know, we could sit here and talk about all of the different things that like what it's trying to say and what we think it's trying to say. But I think everybody has to have their own experience with the film. And I don't want to mm-hmm. taint people's viewing of it because it is such a deceptively heady film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's deceptively, it's got some depth to it. In fact, some t- I recommend watching it more than once because even this time that I watched it, there was stuff that I, I, I caught for the first time, which yeah. is, I've seen this movie 20 times, you know, like yeah, this is maybe like my third time watching it. Maybe. Oh, I see, know. I love this. I love this film. Uh, I watched it a lot more yeah, I've, years ago I've when I was in university. Like it was one of the, I had a DVD of it. I still have it upstairs. I don't have a DVD player, so I couldn't watch it, but I have a DVD upstairs. I used to watch it on my little TV in my dorm room. Um, so it was like one of the ones that I went back to because I just love the writing. I think it's so funny, but I haven't watched it in a while. And so it's probably been 10 years or something or, or, or eight years or something since I've watched it. So watching it again this time and paying attention to it, there were things that I like I, I either missed or forgot about. And they're so good that it was like, like I'm seeing it again for the first time. Um, but it's funny, man. Like I, I texted you. Yeah. I was like, this movie is funny as shit, man. Like oh, yeah. I, I was laughing out loud watching it. And I forgot how, you know, genuine the performances are and how, you know, it's a real spin. I, I like the fact that we brought up Guy Ritchie because it is such a spin on a Guy Ritchie type story. And it's got the yeah. fast talking gangsters and it's got the kind of, British European Irish humor and mm-hmm. stuff, but it's so s- smart in a different way. Guy Ritchie movies are smart in like a, we're going to trick you into thinking one thing and then we're going to pull the rug out from you. Cause it's so like uh fast talking conv- convoluted yeah. storylines, all that stuff. This one is smart in a, we're actually talking about big things but we're yeah. making you laugh while we're doing it. But this is an incredibly emotional and thematic film that's yeah. masquerading as this comedy, as this, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is, it's awesome. I just love it. I think it's awesome. I don't know yeah. what else to say to sell it. I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say about this movie? No, no, no. I I don't think so. I think that's all I got on this one. All right. Well, you know what? Yeah, if you haven't seen I was it, thinking, I was just like, as, as you said too, like as I was watching this movie, I was kind of thinking, I was like, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Like thematically, yes, you can talk a whole lot about like, like we said, you know, guilt, morality, but all, but like I don't know. It just, I just feel like we, we kind of, and then the other thing, I was just like, well, I just want to like quote this movie. It's just so quotable. It's just it has so many one-liners in it, as we've mentioned. And uh, when he meets Jimmy, he's like, have you ever thought about killing yourself? He's like, dude, that's such a fucked up thing to ask. Yeah. Because <laughs> earlier in the film, he says to Chloe, you know, uh, dwar- like dwarves have a higher propensity for, for committing suicide. And then when he, meet, when he sees Jimmy, he's like, have you ever thought about killing yourself? He's like, that's such a fucked up thing to ask. <laughs> it's, it's funny, man. It's a funny, yeah. funny movie. 
Um, and it's it's smart and it's good. And I don't I I don't want to. I think one of the things I hate about criticism is when people try to ascribe their own like reading of what the the director and filmmaker want, especially because this is a writer filmmaker who's like mm-hmm. this is a singular vision of his. I don't want to try and presume to tell people what it is that he was trying to say about the themes. I just mm-hmm. think that this is a deceptively heady and, and thematic film, an emotional film. And if you go into it watching it just for the wisecracks and all that stuff, you'll have a great time. But if you start thinking about the reason why things keep coming back around and why there are re- recurring jokes and what it is the jokes are about and then and then consider the circumstance the context in which they are there and what is going on like there's a lot more to this film a lot more that's that's just under the surface that uh, that I really like uh and it's done in a way that like I think only an Irish pr- playwright like McDonough a playwright specifically an Irish one could do um because I think to I think Americans are a bit too heavy-handed with it. You know what I mean? Ham-fisted might be the word. Um, Although there are some American filmmakers that have great subtlety. Uh, But I think to make a film that's as, like, kind of uh, forward-facing, tongue-in-cheek, almost satire of of the kind of British crime thriller... Mm-hmm. while also being having such kind of like interesting thoughts on guilt and redemption and morality and all that stuff um yeah. while still being laugh out loud funny is just an achievement uh, what a stellar debut film from mr mm-hmm. martin mcdonough uh at this point i feel like we're beating the dead horse and yeah. i wanted to get done early because i gotta i gotta go upstairs and have dinner and uh, do some stuff yeah. with my mom's so uh you know okay. what uh, t- and then tomorrow we've got a social event we will be spending mm-hmm. time together tomorrow and possibly even on Sunday you've got something on Sunday you want to sell it for the people yeah. who are listening Yeah if you're listening to this within the you know few hours that are left before it actually happens uh, on Sunday December 10th at 8 at Dive Bar we're doing the roast of Christmas. There'll be Santa Claus, Grinch, Frosty's Slowman. Uh, who else is there? Jesus Christ, Kevin McAllister, and others will be there, and we'll be roasting each other. It will be fun, and um, yeah, that's it. And then uh, yeah, just follow me on Instagram, Otis Morris Dude, for any updates regarding the uh, dive bar shows. Because you know, as far as I know, there's not going to be anything else in December. There might be, maybe something else in the month but uh yeah we'll be back in january um and what the fuck is i gonna say oh yeah i'm just i'm very tired sorry sorry if i was very tired today and it sounded like it i cleaned my washroom earlier today and i feel like i just absorbed way too many cleaning products and i was like my head feels like fucking marshmallows Mm, i know that feeling plus cleaning is harder than people like like to dude clean Being a bathtub fucking sucks, dude. It sucks so bad. And I definitely put it off for way too long. And uh, if you live with somebody that dyes their hair a color, it gets very messy. And 
I should have I should have cleaned it earlier. But yeah, that's, that's well, it's bad. one of those things where I like when I clean because I usually do try and do a relatively deep clean of my apartment before I leave when I go to Pennsylvania. And if there's like a couple months in between the times that I go down there and then I, I get around to it, I'm like sweating by the end of it because I'm like, I forget how tiring it is. So, you know what? I understand that completely. I don't have any other updates. Stranger Days still coming out on 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 the 29th, as far as I know. Oh yeah. Um, I was sick, unfortunately. Uh, as we talked about last week, which has put me a little bit behind, but I'm still tentatively on schedule. Um, mm-hmm. and there may be a little surprise uh or before it releases. Um more on that in the coming weeks. Uh we have uh, our um well, I'm not sure what we're we're gonna try and hit one Christmas holiday movie of some type. Uh and, shit movie. And Dude, how the Grinch stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey one's fucking mental. It is insane. I was watching it right before we started recording, and there are just shots and camera angles where I'm just like, what was Ron Howard? Like, what was this boy doing? What this movie, it's it's a fucking illusion of freakness. It's it's so it's it's. It, I'm watching it. I'm like, how was I not like mortified by this as a child? This is like grotesque. Like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> well, it's definitely a possibility. You're you're selling me on that review. Um, uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll do uh, we'll do something for our. Um, uh, we'll do something. Christmas we'll do some thing. kind of Christmas thing. Uh, we'll try and hit something else that's kind of fun like this before we uh, we we end out the year. I have a feeling because I'm going to be down in PA for New Year's that we'll probably do the bird report in the first week or two of of uh, January. January. Well, um, yeah, I like doing, you know, year in reviews when the year has actually concluded. Too many times do I see people releasing their best of like that's the thing like Spotify Wrapped comes out at the end end of November beginning of December I'm like you missed an entire month of my playing cycle like what the fuck are you talking about this is not a year in review there is still thirty days left I could I could do some wild shit right now in the last thirty days and that really changes everything like what the fuck are you doing like like so many times like. Remember the one year where Run the Jewels dropped, was it RTJ3 or RTJ? Yeah, it was RTJ3. They dropped randomly on Christmas. And it's like, oh, well, there's a fucking top three album of the year. How? And now it's not on your stupid list. And so now, like, just wait. Just wait till January. Wait until you can be like, ah, yes. All 365 days can actually be assessed now since we've actually lived them. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, that, that that's my little gripe. Don't do your best of the list. year lists until the year is over. Uh, yeah, or exactly. at least like the week before New Year's or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll. I don't know exactly how we're going to work the scheduling. It is the holiday season. Things are very busy. If you are listening to this on Sunday uh, and you want to come out to the uh, uh, roast of Christmas at Dive Bar, $10. There should be yeah. tickets at the door. Uh yeah. and uh and, standing room. If yeah, and we'll and we'll uh we'll we'll be back next week with something. 
before our holiday episode, which I assume will drop on Christmas because Christmas is a Sunday this year. Or no, Christmas is... Christmas Eve is a Sunday. Yeah, Christmas is a Monday. So it'll drop on Christmas Eve. uh, And then we probably won't have one for New Year's Eve a week after. Um, But we will be back in early January with our bird report. Probably have to split it up into two again because there were a lot of really good movies that came out this year. This was actually a fantastic film year. Uh, And uh, also lots of music. There's a, a lot of music. Uh, and and video games too. So, you know, this is a good year for content, things to enjoy, consumable content. So we'll probably split it into two again. Uh, gives me a little bit of time too to catch up on a couple movies that I haven't watched. Uh, one of which I do actually have an addendum to this. So I watched the new Indiana Jones movie, right? Okay. Yeah, Dial of Destiny. Dial of Destiny, and everybody okay. online was like shitting on it it's fine it's 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 a perfectly good indiana jones movie what were people mad about Uh, what do people not understand indiana jones movies like dude i i realized when kingdom of the crystal skull came out they're like aliens what the hell it's like the, the the Ark of the Covenant opens up and melts people. What the fuck? The power of Christ comes out and you're okay with that? Or Temple of Doom, you have people doing satanic rituals. And the guy's alive while the guy has has his heart. Or or let's talk about the other one where he goes and finds the 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 what is it? What do you call it? The 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 holy grail. And 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 he goes and finds it, and there's just a knight that's alive. He's been alive for hundreds of thousands of years, just crusader night, just chilling there. And aliens. Oh God. Uh, oh my but, goodness. Yeah. You know what? I think that if they had put that out a few more years later and like ancient aliens had been a little bit more established, people would have probably been like, I'm not saying it was the aliens, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like people would have been a little bit more. Yeah. Cause that was like kind of fringe. Uh, still a bit more fringe at the time. Now you talk about ancient aliens, people know what you're talking about. This is what I don't yeah. understand. People watch this movie and they were like, oh, it's it's, it's, uh, the, you know, it's not good. And I, I watched it and I was like, oh, this feels more Jones. like an old Indiana Jones movie than Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. And I don't mind Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. I think it's fine. Yeah. I think they're yeah. all fun popcorn action adv- adventure romps, you yeah. know? Like that's the point of the, the movies. They're, 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 they're semi-mystical historic action venture films. You know, Mm -hmm. what did you not like? It drives me nuts. Anyway, so this is my endorsement of saying, if you haven't watched it because you read something online, people were complaining about it and you're not a bonehead who just like has to be told what to think about things by the voices on the internet just go and watch it if you like Indiana Jones movies. You're perfectly fucking fine. Sorry, this is a bone that I have to pick because <laughs> I didn't watch it for so long because I was like, I was the bonehead. I was like, oh, you know, oh. oh. And then I watched it. I was like, this is perfectly fine. I mean, it's not going to win an Oscar, you know, but none of the old ones are that level either. Like, I, that might be blaspheme to the people who love might be a blasphemer to the people who are like, I love Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's a movie about Indiana Jones, man. (laughs) 
Temple of the Doom, Temple of Doom is the best one. See, that's the contrarian take. I think I, 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 I just like it's just more my vibe. You know, sacrificial cults in a volcano. That that's that's my vibe. Kalima. Jesus, I mean, G, God killing Nazis is also pretty cool too. But like, I don't know. Mm. Pretty pretty sick. I, either way. Yeah, either way. I mean, it was fun. It was fun. I like Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I think she was fantastic. Um, oh, bringing that full circle, Martin McDonough's wife. Ah. Is that actually, am, oh. I, am I right? Is, it, is that right? Hold on. Let me, let me, I just get. Or partner. They are together. And she is in Dial of Destiny, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. It is. Buddy. Wow. That's called a synchronicity here. Uh, I just got to see. I want to see. Oh, no. They're not that far apart. Oh, well, yeah. Kind of. But you know what? Good for them. Um, but she's great in it. She does a good job. She's very charming. Um I love I love my uh my 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 uh, uh where is he from Scandinavia? I don't know. My um Mads my Mickelson. Uh, He's very good. Yeah. I like him. He's good. I didn't know he He's, was in it. Oh yeah, he plays oh, yeah. The, he plays Voller. He plays one of the uh uh Nazis who's brought over to build rockets mm-hmm. for the for the government which actually happened story to burst your bubble it's real um but anyway what happened they brought nazis over yeah Werner von braun and all those nazi freaks who they brought over to build rockets for nasa Um, oh yeah yeah i i I mean i just finished reading a book about how we brought how the cia brought a bunch of nazi scientists over to help with mk ultra and help develop mind control yeah we also brought this uh what's the guy's name shiro ishii from japan who was like doing fucked up like poison experiments on people in Japan in like the forties. We brought him over, put that guy on the payroll too. And uh, yeah, we spent uh, millions of dollars over the course. Of, I don't know why we're saying we we're, we're Americans, <laughs> but the no, CIA, the CIA, the, the, the CIA <laughs> uh, and other people, you, if you really want to go and get freak, go freak mode, just look into that. Just have a good yeah. time looking into what the CIA and the United States government did to its own citizens. There are whole yeah. towns that they like dosed with drugs and like let them go oh, yeah. nuts and like murder each other and stuff. Like, yeah, they were like abducting people in San Francisco and just locking them in an apartment and just giving them like acid to the point where like they were like just, you know, just a husk. Yeah, just brain melts. Like, crazy thing they whitey bulger the the fucking uh, boston like crime lord he was one of the guys that was abducted by the cia and like drugged and then later on in life they realized like what his life lawyer was like oh we could like go after the cia and like accuse them for like breaking his brain so that he ended up becoming this like insane career mass murderer criminal overlord like well same with the unabomber the unabomber ted kaczynski was uh was was a a uh through his university was part of the mk ultra like drug trials and stuff like that and Mm. there's a you know 
So, hey. Jesus Christ. The threads of fate are woven together in strange and wonderful ways. The truth is stranger than fictions, folks. But this piece of fiction that we talked about is pretty good. Uh, So, you know what? Enjoy. Uh, If you haven't seen it, watch In Bruges. If you liked In Bruges, let us know. Uh, Hit us in the uh, interaction section of Spotify or send us a message. I'm at Palm Reader, P-A-L-M-R-E-A-D-R. That's Palm Reader without the last E on Instagram. He's Otis Morris Dude. Uh, and uh, Or you can hit us up at birdprotocol at gmail.com. We'll be back with another uh, kind of fun light episode next week. Then we'll do our holiday one. We'll take a break over New Year's Eve. We'll be back at the start of January with our uh, bird report. Also yep. got some cool ideas for stuff we want to do in the new year, including perhaps maybe some watch-alongs, some series, and having some new and varied guests on. And we'll get back to like regular posting and everything. This year's just been a little bit weird, but I'm sure we'll talk about it when we get to the bird report. Peace out. Yep. Initiate the protocol. I think that's all. Bye. Bye, you inanimate fucking objects. <laughs>